Hello and welcome to the Hitman's Last Great Year, a Smack Attic podcast project. We are talking about Bret Hart's final year in the World Wrestling Federation, which lines up roughly with 1997. I'm your host, Matt Vaughn, and once again, joining me as a guest co-host on the podcast, thrilled to have back, Chris Dimitrenko. How you doing, buddy? Welcome back. Hey, I'm super thrilled to be here, Matt. It's great, man. Great to talk to you. We're going to talk about a, a, a show in Biloxi, Mississippi, a place that I couldn't point to on a map times two. If you show me Mississippi was, if you show me where Biloxi was, I wouldn't know. Neither one. It's in the middle somewhere, right? I think it's on the coast, right? Because, because this is the, what? the Mississippi coast. Really? This is the... Is it, is it called the ghost the Gulf Coast or the Mississippi Coast Auditorium here? Let me, let me double check my notes here. The Mississippi Coast Coliseum. So yeah, because I think Mississippi is like uh, is surprisingly, if I'm not mistaken, I'm gonna get this so wrong. It's gonna be crazy how wrong I'm gonna get this. Um, I think it's between Louisiana and like Florida on the Gulf Coast. There, you, okay. you just don't think about it. Much. Near 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 Louisiana. Yeah, that sounds about right. I mean, for your American listeners, I think they'll take heart in, in knowing that. Um, that like their understanding of Canadian geography is, is probably about equivalent to a Canadian's understanding of the location of like most of the United States. Absolutely. Yes. I would say that's exactly right. The only thing I got wrong on looking at my notes here is that actually in between Mississippi and, uh, and Florida is a little bit of Alabama mobile. Like mobile Alabama is a goal is a port city. Weird to think about it, but it's true. Hard to even believe. Okay. Yeah, right. so that's where we're with the Mississippi Coast oh, Coliseum. You're right. Oh, it's golf. Okay. Right. Surprising. That's what we get with our with our Canadian hey, in Canadian geography. Yeah. We need to learn Canada, not the United States and all the states. I think I'm generally pretty yeah. well versed on states in Canada comparatively, but that's just how it is. Yeah, we're talking about Raw is War for August 11th, 1997. It was a live show. Um, they said it was sold out. Everything I saw said you could fit about 9,000 people in the stadium or in the arena, rather. And they said they put 6,800 in there. So it's like sold out. I mean, they point. To, I think they, they look at a sign outside and it says sold out. And they're like, well, you can't, can't lie on a sign outside. So what are we supposed to do? Sure. Yeah, why not? Uh, so let's talk about last week's episode just to set the stage for everybody, just to get you all re- ready to hear more about more raw. So last week's episode, the new WWF champion, Bret Hart kicked off a feud with the Patriot, who was given a title match against him at the upcoming In Your House Ground Zero pay-per-view. Also, Sergeant Slaughter was named the new commissioner of the WWF, and he was running around all over the show, just bugging people left and right. He has more of that tonight. And also, the Nation of Domination, they brought Ahmed Johnson on, and they kicked him off. And then, also, crucially, Shawn Michaels yelled at the fans and turned heel. So, Shawn Michaels... Even though, debatably, for me as a Canadian, he's been a heel the whole time, talking about how much Canada sucks, or at least you know, defending against Bret Hart. And now he's telling every every fan everywhere, even in the United States, that they suck and are bad. Chris, how do you feel about Sergeant Slaughter? A G.I. Joe himself come to life in wrestling. Do you have any sort of connection with Slaughter? Ah, well, sure. I mean, I, I, I do find that he was such a mega heel during the... Gulf War era. Speaking that, of golf, that's right. Um, yeah, yes. Uh, seeing him, uh, seeing him back as, as a face. Um, I just don't know if you can come back from that. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Any, anyway, I, I still, I still always think about that um, uh, when I when I see him. So uh, a bit unusual, but sure, sure, why not? And I mean, he's not the. He's not the only legend that uh, uh, we'll see tonight. 
it would be great if it's true it'd be great if there was just like a dimension of it where he's like commissioner and then every now and then as he's like doing promos he's like you know what and just like my hero saddam hussein like okay but well, we said we gave you the job <laughs> You have the job as commissioner, but you got to keep quiet about the, the still lingering Iraqi sympathies you have. OK, please. Yeah, we need yeah, to keep that yeah. under wraps. Called my friend Saddam. Big fan of the show. <laughs> Same with his sons. <laughs> Uday was there. You know, it's a new day yesterday. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was mentioning him being like, look, Bret Hart, if you're going to keep doing this, I would be like my friend Saddam and I'm going to execute you outside. Oh, that's not good. So <laughs> Slaughter's around. You might he might be harboring some sympathy still for all we know. But we also have a bonus match to talk about after the show. We're still in SummerSlam season, so we're going to be talking about a match from SummerSlam 1991. It is Bret Hart versus Mr. Perfect for the Intercontinental title, a, uh, a relatively well-remembered match, I would say. And so we'll talk about that after we cover the events of August 11th, 1997. And on that fateful day, the good folks in Biloxi, they saw some some dark matches. They saw some Shotgun Saturday Night matches. This is one where when I go to my records, I look at it and I go, really? Because they said that the dark match that night was a Jerry Lawler winning a battle royal. To which I say, why? Ooh. Well, why no, why, why, why was that a dark match? I want to see that. Put it on the air. That's one of the ones where you're kind of like, can Jerry Lawler go over the top rope to the floor? Is it kind of like winning by default there? Is that what that is? <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Hard to say. No, that's, a, and then, no, that's great. Good for him. And then the the late night Saturday offering, Shotgun Saturday Night, kicked off with two sexy Brian Christopher taking out jobber Tony Williams with a top rope leg drop. Then D'Lo Brown and Kama beat Skull and eight, bow, eight Ball rather of the DOA by Countout, which was a thrilling matchup. And then Vader beat Triple H by disqualification when Vader went up on the top rope. Sorry, he went to the second rope to a Vader bomb, and China just came in and punched him in the groin, which I thought was rude. Uh, but it gave me a moment I enjoyed, which was uh, Shotgun Saturday Night went off the air with Vader being like, yeah, I'm the man. And it's like, you got punched in the dick, sir. And you are celebrating as if you beat a guy. <laughs> He's like, doesn't matter, bell ring. So good for you, Vader. Take your wins. There's also a dark match coming up after the show, which we, which you wouldn't have seen. So I look forward to telling you about that. And trying to imagine what the fans of Biloxi would have thought seeing that as well. So let's talk about Raw is War. August 11th, 1997. We begin... With a video package talking about Bret Hart's new WWF title. Now, Bret has declared himself the new sheriff of the WWF. We also find out that Shawn Michaels turned heel. He was mean to Vince McMahon, very harsh to Vince. But then Sergeant Slaughter showed up and said he was the law and he kept things running last week. But will he continue to do so this week? We see some footage from earlier in the day when Shawn Michaels is pushing a nosy cameraman around. So Shawn is just, he's there, he's annoyed. And we get the video intro for Raw, and Pyro explodes on the Gulf Coast. We are live in Biloxi, and here comes Shawn Michaels, who is back in action tonight against Mankind. And so he's, he's he's at the end of the show, so he's here right now. And so he comes out. He high-fives a bunch of fans who don't seem to care that he's a bad guy. It's funny that he's bothering to high-five them. Kind of seems like easy tear, heel here to just not high-five people back or fake it out or something like that. But uh, Shawn complains about how he has been treated since SummerSlam when his actions led to Bret Hart winning the title again. And Sean singles out Vince at the announce table, blaming him for not calling him that night to say he's going to be wrestling. So he's kind of like, you didn't call me. Way to do that. Not very nice. And uh, Sean stops for a moment to uh, respond to a chant that is, I couldn't hear the chant. But because Sean, the way he responds, I'm sure they were saying something like Sean is gay or something like that. I think that's, I think that's what it was. 
But yeah, there's different yeah. people with signs. Like, can you can yes. you imagine? Like you're just at home and you're like, what what should I what should I bring as a sign? Uh, oh, Sean is gay. Yes. Uh, but in general, though, he he doesn't seem to be presented as a full fledged heel. Like they seem to be acknowledging that he has a significant amount of fan support still. Um, I, I didn't I didn't feel that he was a full heel. Interesting. Yeah, I think that because I saw last week and he's try he is taking such a hard right turn in that direction. Um, mm-hmm. But the thing is, too, it's it's also not a huge character change, which I think is a, is is a relevant point. Which is like it's he is uh, like before he was like is it uh, he was our he was our jerk, and now it's like well he's kind of less, yeah, he's kind of more still, of himself, still cocky, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. He needs to be. He needs to do kind of more outright heelish things for us to be like, okay, you're a bully, you're an a hole. Like that's what we need to get to, right? Um, right. But that's right. So, um, yeah, just, the, the Sean is gay signs and chant. I think later on, Vince McMahon talks about like, oh, it's the people expressing their their First Amendment for free speech or something like that. And it's like it's funny to describe uh, that. And like the signs are saying like Sean is gay, and you're like, yeah, free speech. And you're like, that's what we're fighting for. <laughs> That's what they went. That's why they went on Normandy for, guys. D Day yes. was all about making sure people could still do that. Mm-hmm. Shawn Michaels takes a shot on the mic at Commissioner Slaughter, saying he's a big chin, which draws Slaughter out to the ring. Slaughter gets on the mic. He says he's been in more spotlights than Shawn has, which I was like, maybe by virtue of just being older, I guess that's possibly true. But it's funny to be like, I don't think he's. I don't think at this point he even was the star that Shawn was. I mean, Shawn obviously world champion twice over at least at this point. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, slaughter was never, never of this magnitude. Yeah, uh, Sean, Sean is being annoying here by pretending he's being spat on every time slaughter talks, which is one of those things. It's like that probably works like face to face, but like as fans, we're not seeing any spittle, so it's, it's like you have to just kind of tell us that it's spittle's happening as opposed to being like I don't know. You might no, as well say his breath it, smells and, bad. and now it worked for me. It's very classic <laughs> Sean bratty behavior. I liked it. I just need I need more something more visual. I need that a little bit. Maybe sweat. Sweat would work because these people are sweating anyway. Uh-huh, uh, uh-huh. Sean encourages the Undertaker to watch his match against Mankind tonight because I think I believe at this point I think we already have the match book between Sean and Undertaker at Ground Zero coming up. And so he's like, hey man, you can watch my match against Mankind tonight. But Sean says he has an insurance policy. Taker tries anything, which is funny because insurance policy ends up being Ooh. something that they talk about throughout the show, and. It's one of those things that sounds very boring and not like something I would want to watch the show. <laughs> He's like, I have an insurance policy. I'm like, great. Who'd you call? Western Mutual? Like, like not not exactly the most thrilling description of it. I would really say something like, I got knees it's, in the hole or something. I don't know. It's funny. I actually, I, I find insurance policy and wrestling to be very exciting uh, um, relative to real life. Super boring. <laughs> Uh, right. yeah, wrestling it has it, a little it, bit it, more cachet. Absolutely, I wanted to know who the insurance policy was. Well, I, I mean, you're gonna find one tonight. That's for sure. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and then did you, did you catch that he hit a, hit a bit of a crotch chop at the end to slaughter? Ooh, I missed the, that. The camera, the camera doesn't really catch it, but just like it, it's just above his waist, but clearly Shine just goes ooh. And he's not doing the DX version of it yet, but there's that's the first hint of some real DX vibes tonight. There's some mm-hmm. other DX stuff happening here in a major, major yeah. way. Um, Vince, as Sean is going to leave, Vince calls Sean, quote, a brash young man. Chris, you want to hazard a guess of how old Sean is here? 
<laughs> call him a brash young man. I, 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 I caught that as. Yeah, I, I don't think of Sean being particularly young at at, uh, at this point. I mean, I, I think of him as middle aged. Would he be um, thirty two? I'm guessing thirty two. Bang on, thirty two. Thirty two years hey. old. That's kind of. I don't. I think that's. I think you're out of brash young man territory. I think if you're in your thirties, I think you're a grown ass man. I think is what you would have to say. Yeah, I don't yeah, think you're. Yeah, really you're, brash you're middle aged. Yeah. 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 He's not washed up. He's not over the hill. He's an old man. But mm-hmm. brash young man is like, all right. Like it's not. His, he's like 22 or something like that. Come on, get real. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We get some footage from early in the day when they were talking to some fans outside the building, and there's just some real southern sounding young folks all saying that Shawn Michaels is going to beat mankind. Uh, although one guy says Sean seems to have lost it. Anyway, they 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 did a bunch of these interviews uh, in. They've been doing it a while, but they did some in Halifax when they had the Halifax Raw a few weeks ago, and so I think they're a little bit. I think they they like the juice of can we go outside and chat with some people and get like anything we can use on air, and so it's just very funny to hear these folks have. Because I, I mean, Biloxi, Mississippi, is a very southern accent you got in the place, so they're they're going for it there. I loved it. I, I loved right? those segments so much. I wish that they would still do them today. I, it's a great way to get a flavor of of what the people are actually like. Uh, super well done. Yeah, I wouldn't. I really wouldn't mind it. I mean, now it's so much harder to be like, <laughs> you want to interview somebody and be like, "What do you think about Seth Rollins tonight?" I'm like, well, Seth just got the title, so he probably should hold it for a little longer. <laughs> it's like, no, no, you have to be like, <laughs> treat it like yeah, it's real, yeah. man. Like talk about like. I think and you know, they did. Like, you and, talk and to the credit of the fans, they did. They probably maybe they, they thought it was real. Yeah, it's true. Uh, we're told that Hawk of the Legion of Doom has a country whipping match tonight, whatever that is. And he smacks a strap against a barrel backstage. And then we go to the ring, and to Vince's surprise, Owen Hart and British Bulldog are here, and they have their flags, but they're not in this match because it's time for that country whipping match between Hawk and Henry Godwin, and both those guys have their tag team partners in the corner there. And they have a backstage interview where Henry says, this is the kind of match they used to have back home all the time. He's like, okay, sure. So JR explains that to win, you whip your opponents until they end up on the floor outside the ring. And each man has a leather strap with them and they can each whip. I've never seen a match like this before. I've seen straps, they're strapped together. Mm-hmm. I've never seen one where it's, it's just essentially like, okay, Hawk, you have Henry, Henry, you have Hawk when he's, when he's down. Go for it. And that's like, there's very little happening here outside of this laughing. The whipping. Country whipping. Also, are there a lot of leather, leather straps in the country? Like, what are they doing with them? I, I yeah, I, I can just, I can just sort of imagine that, that, you know, somewhere in the writer's room, they're, they're trying to imagine what, what Southerners are, are, are up to when they're, when they're fighting each other. And this is, this is the best that they could come up with. Right. It's like I pray somebody was like, uh, what if we do the uh, Biloxi street fight? And I hope someone was like, no, we can't do that because it seems that seems like the op- that's what you do. Right. It's like you're in somewhere unique. You just say you're like, oh, it's time for a, a Tulsa street <laughs> fight. And I was like, oh, and you throw a hay bale in there to make it seem a little bit more, you know, local. But sure, to do country yeah. whipping, it's like, what are we doing here? So um, we find out why Owen and Bulldog are there. They finally get on commentary. It takes forever. And uh, we're told there's a four-team tag match at Ground Zero that they are in. They're also against uh, the Legion of Doom. They're also against Steve Austin and Dude Love. And another team. I don't think they ever say who the other team is, so it's not clear who that fourth team is. And then we have this funny moment where Bulldog is like, I would like to face the Patriot tonight. Because, you know, he's facing Bret Hart. I want to face him. 
Owen's like, bro, dog, that's totally fine. I'm going to face him. And they have very, they have an argument, but I would say it's very civil. I think Owen even is like, we'll talk afterwards. But like, we, I want to fight him. So that's all the kind of main thing that happens while these guys are just going back and forth, living each other. And then outside the ring, Phineas hits Animal with a slop bucket. So the non-competitors. And then he comes to the ring to attack Hawk because there's no disqualifications in a country weapon match. Just like, a, you know, just in the country, if you're whipping a guy, you can't get disqualified in real life. Sure. And so Henry and Finney's trying to break Hawk's neck. They do the kind of like, they put him over his back sort of thing. But Animal comes in, hits them with a bucket, and he sends Henry to the floor, which wins the match for Hawk. And it's funny because Hawk wins, but Animal, Animal didn't help Hawk win. Animal won the match for Hawk. He literally just threw Henry <laughs> right. over the top rope. The only thing to do. It's like, okay, I mean, yeah, this match was a curiosity, but I wouldn't say it's one that I was like, oh man, we gotta go, we gotta go back. It was, uh, it was, it was ridiculous, um, but not in not in any uh, exceptional way. Uh, re- really, not off to a great start here. But th- things get better. Things get better. Th- things get better. It's true. Uh, we get some ad for some trading cards. It's the same six wrestlers who are in the intro video. Also funny to me because Psycho Sid is in there and he's gone from the company. He's not going to wrestle again. Oh, is he? Oh, yeah. Okay. Is that funny? Oh. Uh, so he came, he was hurt, and he left. It's like, okay. So Sergeant Slaughter comes to the locker room of Brian Pillman to give him a dress to wear tonight. And this is something that Brian Pillman lost to Goldust at SummerSlam. He had to wear a dress the next night because he was reluctant to do it, fairly, I would say. Uh Slaughter's like, look, you have to keep wearing it until you win. And so Pillman's like, fine, I'll do that. So more about on that later. Although, actually, no, more on that pretty much right away. Come to think of it. Because mm-hmm. next up, we have Scott Putsky versus Tony Williams. It's time for some light heavyweight action between two guys you've never really heard of, except Scott Putsky is uh, Ivan Putsky's son. But for some reason, first, we've got Goldust and Marlena coming down to the ring. And uh, we see Putsky. He hits a German suplex on Williams. He flips him all the way around, all the way full backflip. Kind of fun to see. And then Golda says that um, they've got a movie they're making. And they actually do a picture-in-picture thing. And it's so the match is in a tiny box at the corner. And mm-hmm. most of the screen is filled up with this black and white kind of video footage of Brian Pillman getting his dress on. So which is, I would say, argue is probably pretty pretty much live. And the commentators talk about how voyeuristic this is and Hillman Pillman is doing like a full cartoon comedy sketch where he's humorously struggling to get into a dress as as the, the guys are resting at the corner. And the thing I thought was most interesting about this, besides the the faces being voyeurs here, um, was that in 1999 and 2000, there were segments on WWF television called GTV. And it, it was the kind of a, it was this, the thing they used to be like uh, to kind of move storylines along where. You wouldn't have a camera there. You have like a secret camera, and so wrestlers would do things, and so that way it'd be a little bit more natural rather than like two heels talking about their dastardly plans in front of a camera. Uh, and so originally, sorry, they never revealed who did this. And originally, the idea was for the G to stand for Gold Dust, but they never actually revealed it on television. And so this is clearly a proto version of that. And one of the things that kind of points most interestingly to that being what they're trying to do, because Gold Dust is essentially coming out and being like, "Look what I did." So if you were a fan in 99 or 2000, you'd probably be like, well, you know, two or three years ago, Goldust did this. Uh, this seems uh, like a very natural connection thing. Uh, so it's it, uh, it's an interesting thing there. Um, and which and and they brought that back for um, in recent years for Ali, and, and right again they they did these these secret camera segments, then just sort of dropped it all of a sudden, and then eventually it was like, oh, it's it's. Uh, 
It's it's Ali. Uh, Mustafa Ali did it, but uh, but they they really didn't know where to run with it. So it's kind of interesting that that you know they they ran into that same problem there. But I I actually really liked this. The only thing that they could have made they could have made it better is um, if Brian Pillman struggling to put this dress on. Uh, no matter what he what he did, he couldn't he couldn't find. He couldn't figure out how to put the dress on. Uh, the only thing that could have made it better is maybe with like a yakety sack soundtrack, uh, oh, yeah, um, as he's as this as you know flailing about the, the locker room. Um, I, I liked it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think I think Scott puts gets the uh, he hits a sit up hardball on Williams. I think he hits him with the uh, uh, with the Polish hammer for the win, as I recall. Uh, but my note, but yes, my notes, but, but it could it could have been more of an afterthought. Yes, exactly. <laughs> like I'm not noting it because they didn't note it either. It's like such a funny thing. They <laughs> no. do this a lot. Like they did. Like, there's all sorts of times in this show where uh, they'll put a match on, and especially this is like earlier in the year. They put a match on, and then uh, they're like, "Oh, and let's talk to Mankind for uh, picture in picture for most of it." <laughs> like there was, a, there was an Undertaker interview that fully interrupted the finish of a match once, uh, earlier in the year, in, like February. So anyway, funny thing that they do this because they're just like, well, wrestling. Wrestling secondary in this wrestling program. <laughs> of course. We have Undertaker popping up in the backstage interview to say he's going to show up for Sean's match. And he says the only insurance that Sean will need is burial insurance. But th- there's no way. I can't. No, I don't think so. <laughs> you don't need insurance for burial. You're dead, right? It's life insurance. You don't need death. Death insurance would be like, death insurance right. would be the most. Right. You'd lose every time if it's death insurance. I guess so. I was, I was just thinking, I was thinking in my head, like, do I have burial insurance? Should should I have <laughs> should I have burial insurance? But but again, insurance policies are boring. So I I immediately dropped dropped it and, and tuned back into wrestling. It's to be like in burial insurance would be like you take it out to make sure you don't get cremated. If you're like that a stickler for how how you end up, oh, I guess like, so. Look, yeah, yeah. I, I'm like, okay, we're gonna get him cremated. It's like I see in his will he does have burial insurance, so you will have to pay. Three quarters of a million dollars for charity of his choice if you do that. Just so we're aware. He has the insurance. So it'll be paid out that way. Mm-hmm. Um, there's kind of like <clears throat> there, there's a promotion here for a an article. And I think it's Raw Magazine featuring Goldust. He's talking about his, his talking candidly about his strained relationship with his father, Dusty Rhodes. I think they may even have some like letters he sent. That's a little bit it's a little bit uncomfortable for me. I mean, I know that things have obviously changed in recent years, but. Just the idea that they, at the time they were like, you know, this famous wrestler, you know, how we have his son on the roster. They don't get along. And here's like things they wrote each other. It's like, Ooh, do we need this? I don't know. I didn't like it. Well, that was back when when Rob magazine was really trying to position itself. Because I remember this. I, I bought Rob magazine because it was like it was like, ooh, it's the it's the inside story. You know, they're really trying right. to, to cut, you know, pro wrestling illustrated and the other sort of um, uh, magazines you know, show that they've got the real story, but also right. have sort of edgy adult content, you know, about, you know, um, father-son relationships, throw right. in some uh, centerfolds. Uh, Raw Magazine was pretty good. <laughs> You're like, I want to go back and get some Raw Magazine. I would like, it, yeah. it's one of those things that uh, I like there's often like internet archive stuff and it's like can someone just scan those so I can see what that's about because I am curious I mean because when you're talking about it, it's like right yeah they are trying to they're trying to get into that market right they see they're like mm-hmm. hey why are we letting other people make money off of the backstage intrigue when we could just do that we have we know exactly. the we know the information it's like they would it's like mm-hmm. they have their, their 1-800 number right uh, or maybe 1-900 anyway 
Next up, we have a match between a man in a dress and a man not in a dress. It's Brian Pillman versus Flash Funk. And Pillman comes out in a gold dress, and he's got he's to win, win or keep wearing it, man. That's what's up. And on commentary, JR and Lawler are talking about ECW's upcoming pay-per-view, Hardcore Heaven, where Lawler is talking about taking on Tommy Dreamer. And so we're kind of back. There was a little period there where they weren't doing ECW cooperation. I think they're backstage even. There's a little bit of like um, – not controversy, but kind of like there were there were some people on both sides who were kind of like, are we still doing this? Why are we doing this? Like, are you mm. anyway? It is funny to see how much they're cooperating. It's also funny mm-hmm. how as a fan, wrestling fan, like growing up, I was like, okay, hardcore heaven, sure. And then now I'm kind of like, that just sounds like porn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it kind of does. Now that you think about Mom, it, can I can, can I order hardcore heaven? It's like not if you ask me. What do you no? You're supposed to like <laughs> lie and just what are you doing? That's weird. Uh, so yes, hardcore heaven. There we go. Um, Commissioner Slaughter pops in to say that he will be setting up Bulldog and Owen for a tag match with the Patriot and a partner of his choosing tonight. So that's how he is deciding to split that atom by saying, "Look, we're gonna have you guys are both gonna be in a match, but Goldust, uh, sorry, Goldust, but uh, Patriot gets a partner of his choosing." So there we go. Um, Pillman blocks a moonsault from Flash Funk, but shortly after, Goldust, as I just mentioned by accident, uh, Goldust and Marlena come out on the ramp. And they put some footage of him. From earlier, changing to the dress, they put it up on the Titan Tron. And so Pillman's watching and he's getting worked up. Oh, I hate this. I'm so mad. And Funk gets him in a small package and he gets him for the one, two, three. And uh, so that's it. We have another, another, it's going to be another week of wearing a dress for Brian Pillman. Uh, even though, I mean, the fans seem to like it. I mean, I, it's it's not a storyline you can necessarily do now with uh, gender being a very different kind of construct and understanding right now. So uh, it's interesting seeing it now. Be like, yeah, it's it just like it's just guys whistling at Bo Pillman, like, come on over here, baby, kind of thing. It's like, ah, ha, ha, ha. It does seem like it's in good fun. So it is, that. and and Pillman does a great job of it. Uh, I I don't mind it at all, and and I, I sort of like the continuity of of how, um, you know, they had Goldus, um, you know, out in the match before, and and now now they 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 come out again. And throughout this whole show, you just see these storyline threads in and out of the show. Uh, so I, I, I really enjoyed that. Yeah, it's good. It, it is. I think it often helps to have people in multiple segments because otherwise wrestling can kind of feel like things are happening. Things aren't affected by anything else backstage, right? We're just kind of like there's yes. just six things happening and they're unrelated. They're just weaving in and out like traffic. You don't even notice it. It doesn't doesn't nothing affects each other. But every now and then you need a pile up. You need a car to bang into another one. Like I think it helps. Anytime you can kind of marry a couple storylines together, as long as you're not just doing it in a clumsy like, well, you guys are both feuding, so the faces are on one tag team and the heels are another. That uh, that works out better. So it, it definitely it definitely helps. I will say I don't think that Pillman Pillman's not is kind of getting the ride of the deal here, right? Because Pillman they're holding him so responsible for the dress and at the same time he's dealing with voyeurism public humiliation like i, I think that there needs like this, this has to be a two-way street with commissioner slaughter here you can't just be like haha it's fun and be like you gotta come on this guy this guy deserves a little bit more respect than that slaughter okay this is a former hollywood blonde with respect oh mm-hmm, mm-hmm. as far as i'm concerned uh we, so we go outside to see there's some fans chanting for dude love and chris i feel like every sign that is back there was just distributed by the company because they're all like the exact same. They're all these perfect dude love signs. Like I do not believe the fans are there with dude love signs promoting him. I believe they like him, but that seems totally astroturfed, as they say. A totally fake <laughs> attempt at a at a uh, grassroots thing here. Did you pick up on the fakeness of the signs? Uh, 
No, no, I didn't. Now I wish I, I could go back and, and see it. I mean, yeah, it was probably in, in actuality it was just a whole uh, just a whole bunch of Sean is gay signs. And they were like, no, 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 uh, we, need, we need we need something else. Hey, turn, turn those around for me, would you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like we, we'll go from there. So anyway, it's it very much stuck out at me. Uh, but we get a video package running down Steve Austin's neck getting broken at SummerSlam and Owen Hart having to take on Dude Love the next night when Austin interfered. And I mean, I, I talked about it that week. Like, it's just shocking to me that Austin breaks his neck and the next night he's on the show. He's not wrestling, but he's around. Like, it blew my mind that he did that. Uh, I know he just had some issues with, uh, you know, actually getting neck surgery and stuff done. But and it affected his career, right? I mean, this is one of the reasons they only wrestled for a few years after this is that he's, you know, getting up there and his neck broke yeah and i was reading a little bit about this and how um you know they had discussed it beforehand and initially it was like no we'll, we'll do just a tombstone pile driver right and owen was like don't worry about it you know this is this is something that i do a lot and uh, they did the regular pile driver and then that was basically it for the pile driver um yeah. you know we we never really see much of it ever again for a wrestler yeah, it becomes a, a totally different animal uh, from there on out, which is crazy to think because it's been, you know, 26 years now uh, after that. Mm-hmm. So um, it's pretty crazy. But yeah, and I mean, yeah, I remember hearing about, I think Owen and Austin got along fine and then this happened and it kind of affected them. And it just, that's just, it's just a bummer to think about that. It's a bummer to think about how it works and then wrestling you have to protect people. And if you don't, there's consequences and it just sucks, right? So sure. it's too yeah. bad. Mm-hmm. So here comes Dude Love. And uh, as they've had a couple times for him, there are totally these paid models in the front row who are super into him. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, they, will, they will factor in later. And uh, JR notes that Mankind is facing Shawn Michaels later, uh, which is not Dude Love. I imagine Dude Love, you know, Dude Love has the tag title with him because he won the tag titles. But Mankind will not because he did not. And that's just one of those funny things where I almost <laughs> I almost haven't thought about too much in wrestling where it's like, See, they're alter egos, but we all know they're the same guy. And he's not pretending to not be the same guy. So it's funny to me that they're not like, well, who loves tag champion, not mankind? It's like, well, the guy, the birth certificate says one thing, guys. I don't know. So it's funny. Um, this is our first time really hearing a do love promo. Uh, and it's all like these kind of faux 70s jive talk. Oh, he's a cool cat. All that sort of thing. And he says mankind's opponent later on is a wannabe who's Shawn Michaels. And Shawn Michaels decides to pop up on the Titan Tron from the back. And he says, do you wish this guy would get knocked into the 21st century? He calls dude an idiot. Dude Love just quotes the Beatles, and he ends with the cuckoo choo before his groupies leap into the ring and dance with Dude Love. So he's all very he's, – he's not bothered by it at all. So that's what you get there. So Sean is you – know, Sean's trying to put it on there too because it's like the fans love Dude Love. He's calling him an idiot. He's saying he's been knocked into – I think he says knocked into the 21st century, which is later than – it's like four years from now. <laughs> right, right. It's like, okay, sure. Uh, we hear from some from, from some more fans outside, and Jerry Lawler comments on a zit on one of the young guys' nose, and I just was like, man, imagine being that kid. Uh, yeah, I was thinking about that uh, because this is this is your moment. Your friends are probably watching. You you yeah. get to go on WWE or WWF rather, and the zit was was quite noticeable. Um, it it was. Um, Probably wouldn't have gotten the comment if it wasn't for um, the Stridex uh, sponsorship. Stridex being being anti-acne 
medication. So right. really provided a perfect segue. I imagine he would have done it without that. Um, but still, poor guy. Poor Damn. guy. Man, it's something. It's like, man, you're like, you know, you, you, especially that age, you're kind of like, you know, you hang out with your buddies. Yeah. They may not give you a hard time about it because they're like, ah, you know, it's normal. But then one person comes and says, like, oh, you got a kind of a messed up nose. That's it. And you're like, oh, great. I'm gonna have to go bury myself in the pillow for a week and a half. Well, it's yeah, he, he compared it to he compared it to Mount Vesuvius. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, rough. Oh, start. Um, you know that kid. You might have to start wearing a mask. Speaking of guys in masks, <laughs> the Patriot. Patriots mm. backstage, he's seen talking to an unknown individual about his tag match. And then we see a clip of Patriot winning a battle royal on Shock and Saturday Night last weekend. So Patriot, things are clicking for him. Showed up a few weeks ago. He's just some guy. Now he's he's moving up, moving up in the world. And now it's time for the war zone, which is the second half of Raw. Uh, and they get some more pyro. And I love it because you see in the front row, there's some old folks and they're like covering their ears. And it's like, yeah, it's not your show anymore, guys. For the young guys, the college crowd. That's good. I mean, now back in the day, they were like, we didn't have explosions. We had smoke indoors because so we would smoke at the show, but you know, we wouldn't we, we, because there was a, a fireworks happening right next to us. And this is where, oh, this is exactly, Vince, this is where Vince says, you're looking at the personification of the of freedom of expression. So wordy. Vince is just like, never found a $5 word he doesn't like to use there. Good for him. So it is time. It's Owen Hart and the British Bulldog going up against the Patriot and whoever he picks. And we have Owen and Bulldog. They come out with uh, their flags. They have the Canadian flag. They have the Union Jack, the United Kingdom. And Patriot has stars and stripes in his hand as he walks down, too. And uh, Owen and Bulldog wave their flags aggressively at Patriot in a very silly kind of moment. They love doing it. And here comes Ken Shamrock to be Patriot's partner. And Bulldog freaks out because he was choked out by Shamrock at SummerSlam last weekend. Uh, so he's like, he did not want to face him again. We see that in the back, Bret Hart is watching on a monitor. And Bulldog quickly tags out to Owen when Shamrock gets tagged in. And, and Vince says he doesn't really think Bulldog is scared of anybody. But it's funny because he's just so obviously and clearly terrible Shamrock. So it's just very funny to be like, he's not scared of anybody. It's like, I see, he looks real scared right now, Vince. Mm-hmm. I don't know how, like, short of having a, a literal tail tucked between his legs, I think that's pretty much as bad as it could be. Uh, and then we suddenly, we have Bret Hart coming out and standing on the ramp. And Jim Ross describes Bret as having a, quote, Jim Jones-like effect on members of the Hart Foundation, which I don't think is apt at all. Like, he's just a guy who's a winner and his family wants to help him. There's not like manipulation here. Uh, I know like, it's just funny. Cause like, you know, you know, God rest his soul, Bray Wyatt, like he, he went for the cult leader thing, right? Like, and he was in yes. like, yes. to great effect. I think that was one of those things that, uh, I wasn't really watching a lot of wrestling when Bray showed up. And when they, when they saw that stuff, I was like, you know what? That's actually pretty potent. I think it's pretty interesting. And, uh, to, to just give it to Brett is like, no, he's just like, he's just a heel with family. <laughs> like he's not really a creep. Yeah, like he's that. not being, he's not being unreasonable. What he's demanding Ew. of them. Oh, maybe, maybe Absolutely we're not. just Canadians and, and we're just, uh, drinking the Kool-Aid as they say. That's right. We're drinking the Molson. Yeah. Uh, and so <laughs> I got I will point out that Chris is being a very classy man. He's having himself a glass of wine tonight. So I say Molson just to hit the Canadian stereotype. Whereas, you know, Chris is not, he's not necessarily drinking a brisk. He's a sophisticated gentleman. Do the Americans know what Molson is? I think I was, I think I listened to a podcast recently where someone brought up Molson as like a Canadian thing. So some might. So not, not totally clear to me. 
It's their core. It's our cores, folks. That's what we have. Molson. No, I don't know anyone who drinks mm-hmm. Molson. No offense to anybody who does, but a bit of a dad beer, I would argue, in some ways. Oh, definitely a dad beer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, Shamrock's distracted by Bret Hart's presence on the ramp, so Owens tro- chop blocks him. And then Bulldog and Owen just beat on him. And they have totally have their way with him until he gets a running crossbody on them. And then Patriot gets a hot tag and he runs wild on them. And Shamrock stands outside the ring. He tells Brett, like, hey, come fight me. Bring it on. And so Commissioner Slaughter trundles out, trying to get between Brett and the ring. And Owen Hart takes the opportunity to throw a steel chair in the ring because the referee's distracted. Everyone's distracted. Bulldog tries to use it, but Patriot sees it and he slams Bulldog on the chair with his Uncle Slam finisher, which is his uh, full Nelson into a slam. And he gets the one, two, three. And Ken Shamrock celebrates like they won the Super Bowl. Like, he is so stoked. (laughs) (laughs) He doesn't even react this way when he wins a match by himself. But he's like, yeah, we did it. We did it for the United States or something. Good for you, man. I'm glad you're so excited about it. I don't know. Chris, what did you think of the Patriot? I don't know if you've had any chance to even really see him yet or to even experience what it is to be this patriotic goodness. So I I did remember the Patriot uh, vaguely. Um, It's really half-baked. It's it's. It's it's very cheap. Just like okay, we've got this this feud, uh, this national, this Canadian nationalism uh, feud going on here. So we're gonna bring out someone who's. It's not like hacksaw Jim Duggan, who you know would be carrying around a, a flag, or or even Hulk Hogan, who very much personifies Americana. They right. had so they had something else, um, but they were very patriotic. For, for this guy, that's all he his entire shtick is, is patriotism. Um, and we don't that's and it. we can't even see his and, and like to the extent that he's he's masked masked because we don't want to show any other aspect of his personality potentially other than his patriotism. Right. And um, yeah. so I mean I I, I find it pretty lame um can't say like he seems like he's a, a capable uh enough wrestler but it, it's it's hard to invest in someone who who you know they're they're deliberately depriving him of a personality yeah i mean he even had he even had a moment where they were like talking to him and he's like yeah i'm a patriot i actually support anyone being patriotic and i was like so you don't specifically support American patriotism. You support like patriotism in general, which means you should kind of be fine with the sh- Bret Hart stuff. Sure, like, that's right. Yeah, I mean that's <laughs> like that's what they're doing. Yeah, my guy, like that's what that is. Like, please mm. get, get get serious here. So he's funny. It's also funny because like I think it was I think it was last week or the week before, Shawn Michaels was on commentary. It was the week before SummerSlam, and uh, Jim Ross is ah the Patriot Del Wilkes. Shawn Michaels is like you know his name. He's like yeah we know who he is. Went to college. You know who he is. Why is he wearing a mask then? Like, oh, that's what he wears. <laughs> Great question, man. Great question. If you're not, yeah. you're not on your yeah. identity, it's like, what, what are you doing? Um, speaking of patriotism here, man, we see some video here of Bret Hart coming back to Canada with the WWF Championship, and the fans were just thrilled to see him as he flew back. There, he flew into Pearson, and uh, I don't know how they, I don't know how they did this. Do they tell people should Bret Eves coming back? Come see him or something I like that? I wanted, I wanted to know. Right, but, but I, I don't. So it must be exaggerated. They said that there were 1,500 people at, at Pearson. And there's I just, say there's no way. No, there's no way. I mean, 
the terminals are reasonably big, but like yes. fifteen hundred people is is a nuisance. Uh, that's yes. like way too many people. Um, uh, yeah, but even so, I can I can overlook that. Um, they were, you know, Vince was talking about how he was all over the newspapers. He was all over the just one particular newspaper, the um, uh, the Sun newspaper, which is kind right. of the equivalent of, I guess, sort of like the New York Post, sort of like a slightly sort of tabloidy um, kind of thing. So it's not like right. he was in the equivalent of like the wall street journal um yes. uh, you know it's it's you know wrestling's still a, a pretty niche product in canada uh, then as 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 it is now uh but even so i was uh, i was pretty stoked for it and i i, I what i really appreciate about this angle is that they're fully encouraging um, Canadians to to treat him as as a face. So they really yeah. they really want to 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 get Canada on board so he is a face in Canada. He is a heel in the United States. And you know you don't really I, I, I'm not I'm struggling to think of another equivalent example. Uh, you know, certainly there are times where you've got a heel who's who's going into their hometown or their home country, and they're going to get a face-like reaction. But yeah. usually, that's that's um, that's that's accidental. Like they, yeah, maybe they can't. So they're just kind of allowing it. Here, they're full on encouraging it, especially with this this promo package touting Brett as this national icon who's beloved throughout Canada and is getting wall-to-wall media coverage and thousands of people are coming to the airport to see him arrive with the championship. It's uh, it's fantastic. It's, it's unique. It's unique. It's special. They haven't, really, they haven't really done this before or I think since. Yeah, I mean, we, 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 yeah, we see so much. Brett can barely walk through the crowd. He's got the belt, like you said. And Brett says, you know, hey, it's not the American Wrestling Federation. It's the world. And Brett says, you know, I'm really going to be a champion for the world. And so I feel like he does this every now and then whenever they're about to go on uh, like an international tour. Because <laughs> I'm always like, I feel like you're you're doing that to make sure that when you go to Germany, the fans are going to be like, yeah, you're my fan, you're my guy, too. Because I feel like he's doing that so intentionally, right? Um, so, yeah, we go to the back. And Shawn Michaels is talking to someone we can't really see. And it might be his insurance. But he pushes the camera away so we don't get a good look at him. And we did go to the back. Did you have any idea who it was from the rear view? Or did you know I beforehand? Mean, I there's there's so much um, intrigue with this guy and how his this run in WWF ends. So I was just it was too aware. I'm too familiar okay. with it. Okay, fair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Although when you think it's also funny because I'm watching it tonight and we'll get to it and I'm kind of like, huh? How, as a fan, how would I take that? Because he doesn't act at all like his character back in the early days. I would say so. Mm-hmm. It's a curious thing. Uh, we see Patriot in the back. He's talking about how he deserves to be in the WWF, uh, and I'm like, well, no one said you didn't, dude. Like, what do you mean? Like, <laughs> you're, resp- you're responding to an accusation and was thrown at you. Uh, and then I was thrilled to see him just get hit with a chair. 
his Bret Hart is here. He just beats on him on the ground, and the referees come and break it up. Uh, and it's just like, yeah, Patriot man, it's not it's not working for me. And I know I'm not I'm not the Tiger audience. I'm Canadian, but seeing Patriot be like, I deserve to be here, and he gets smacked in the face. I'm like, good loser, man. Like, oh on. yeah, it was hilarious. It was hilarious. Yeah, I I popped for that for for sure. I, again, yeah. being a Canadian, I'm sure that was that was a factor. Exactly. Next up, Farouk versus Chains. Uh, Farouk is not having the nation with him at ringside because we're told they've been banned from ringside by Commissioner Slaughter. Um, they re- recently kicked out Ahmed Johnson from the nation for reasons that are unclear. Um, and so, I mean, as if I'm going to cover but a, a you could you could find out like. the reason behind it by calling the 1-900 hotline they were right. telling you. Like, that was that – was, that was your tease of why you should call and pay. I think it was, I think it was a dollar forty nine a minute in the United States, two forty nine a minute in Canada. Which I think even now, even with inflation, that's far more than I would be willing to pay because they're probably going to draw that so out. Much. And yes, so it's a lot, man. like, like ten minutes, and like, man, I've just spent like twenty five, thirty dollars. On, you know, finding out why Absolutely. Ahmed Johnson was kicked out of the nation. Anyway, I digress. Yeah. I like that they're like, we're going to tell you 90% of a storyline, and then the 10% you have to pay for on the phone. Like, that's how we want that to happen. Awful. That's how it's going to go for me. Awful. Yeah, mm-hmm. It's hilarious. Um, so, yeah, so there's a there's a ref bump. Chains knocks Farouk into the referee, and we're like, okay. And then suddenly from the crowd runs Rocky Maivia. He looks good. He's got loafers and a T-shirt. And he hits Chains with a version of the rock bottom, as we've come to know. Then he gets a ref up to help him, count the pin, and Farouk wins one, two, three. And Rocky stands next to Farouk, and he raises a fist. And Rocky Maivia has joined the Nation of Domination. We take a commercial break. We go to the back. We see Rocky hanging out with the Nation of Domination members, and they see the cameraman, so they shoo him away. Get out of here. Get out of here. And then uh, the DOA come. They rush the door. They're trying to get in. They're so mad that he interrupted and inter- interfered in the chains match. But WF officials come to tear them away. It's funny to me. This is not super remarked upon here. Of course, they're like, oh, wow, he joined the nation. That's crazy. And it's like, <laughs> guys, like, I just want to take a moment on the podcast to be like, hey, this is the moment Rocky Maivia turns heel and joined the nation of domination. It's a little bit consequential in the history of wrestling, I would argue. Oh, yeah. Well, this is huge. Whole- this whole episode is is just filled with with really consequential developments. I mean, I I don't know how many times that I've I've um, been able to guest on your on your podcast, Matt. But there's never been an episode that's been filled with with so many developments that were really pivotal in the history of WWF or WWE. And that yeah. was one of them. That was like this is is Rocky Maivia, um, really, you know, the the launching point for the star that he is now. And and this wasn't even the only one in the show. If there was just this, I'd be like, wow, that's that's pretty cool. But there were multiple. Yeah, and it's like it's it's not even an exaggeration to say just like how consequential it is, how many people really matter. It's like is there are some seeds that are planted here that are like pretty crazy. It's just also crazy to see like the success rate, I guess, with it. And I mean like I say that and like they launched the DOA a few weeks ago and it's like who cares about that? But like the Rocky. other stuff here is they're cooking, they're getting somewhere with it. So yeah, Rocky joins the nation. 
more on that in the coming weeks, guys. We'll talk more about it. Right now, we got we got to talk about Sable. Sable is here, and the commentators just joke very unsubtly about Sable's breasts because that's what they have to do. They talk about how Mark Merrow is being overshadowed by her, and Sable is surprised by the Patriot running down to the ring, uh, who's here to say that he wants Bret Hart. He wants him in a fair fight, and he wants him right now. And Bret Hart comes down with a flag, but without his rest of his title belt. And Patriot just starts punching Brett before he even gets to the ring, which does not seem like a particularly fair fight to me, I would say. I think you need to square up in the corners to get ready for that. Uh, and then, of course, unsurprisingly, the Hart Foundation runs down. Owen, Brett, Bulldog. Uh, sorry, Owen, Bulldog, and Pillman. Uh, Pillman comes after Patriot, actually, but he backs off Crash initially. Like, he's like, oh, okay, sorry, babe, you're good. I don't want to hurt you. And referees run down. They try to break it up. Pillman pushes one away, which I love as a detail, just that he's like, whatever, I can throw these referees around. And the hearts lay Canadian flag on Patriots' prone body as officials yell at them. Sergeant Slaughter is there, and Patriot struggles to his feet, and I was ready. I, 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 it's one of those things where, like, I'm almost making the note as it's happening. Like, okay, Patriot gets to his feet, and he goes after the hearts again, but they separate him again because it looks tough. Um, but they don't do that. It just ends. And I was like, man... Patriot looks like a loser. Like I know he's winning matches and stuff, but like I thought he'd, I thought he'd be like, because at least if you're outnumbered and stuff like that, I want you to at least be scrappy. So at least I think you're like bold and not just a dummy. I'm still in dummy territory with him, unfortunately. Like, keep fighting. Yeah, yeah. He, he didn't, he didn't look particularly strong. I was surprised. Uh, why didn't Kevin Shamrock come down and and help him? Um, Shamrock, I also of was couldn't help. I also couldn't help but wonder, um, uh, you know, how Bret Hart felt about using the Canadian flag as a weapon. Like, right. Like, I would, I would feel that there's something a little sacrilegious about using my flag strangle another guy. Right, um, of course, justifiable reaction. Could could help, but 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 think about that. But yes, yeah, certainly. Um, certainly the Patriot, uh, doesn't, doesn't look super strong, but it's, it's getting him on the show again. And, and that's another strength of this particular episode is we're seeing this, this, the same characters come back again and again. And, uh, and so there's a real continuity, a real cohesion to these two hours that, that you don't see a lot, certainly in contemporary shows. I do want to point out that Sable was going to be coming out as the guest ring announcer that would have meant that she would have been um the only person the only woman to have had um even a very minor spotlight now marlena she got in a a couple of words during commentary but it was was hardly anything at all the spotlight wasn't on her this would have been sable actually for you know maybe 30 seconds being the one that, that that people were were listening to, but as she's right. about to become the guest ring announcer, I uh, hear the Patriot comes out and and takes the mic and says, "Actually, you know, it's now it's it's my turn uh, turn to speak." And uh, so, you know, the whole episode, um, you know, basically no no woman ever gets to to say hardly anything at all um and the most the most we get is sable um 
Jerry Lawler commenting on her her boob job. Um, I'm not saying like I'm, in, I'm not coming at this with with you know a feminist analysis here, Matt. But it's just it's just it is like notably bad representation of of women. I think even by like those 1990s WWF standards. Yeah, uh, it, it's a different world how that works. Uh, and it's funny because it's like, is it better if they did have representation, but um, it's just about their boobs or looks? It's like I feel like it's not, it's not not as good. So. Um, yeah, it's funny. Poor, I'm glad that, yeah, I had a hard time being like, why was she there? <laughs> what was it for? I guess she's going to do, because the other thing, too, is, is like the Shawn Michaels Mankind match is coming up, but there's still a couple of things to do. For instance, um, we hear Mankind uh, have a little interview in the back. He talks about how the insurance that Shawn has better be life insurance, which is kind of different from burial insurance. Uh, but I guess we'll find <laughs> out what that is. Right. <laughs> uh, we hear that Brockus, who is German, this big German guy, he's coming soon. Uh, that is to say, he'll show up briefly and then 1998, and it won't matter <laughs> at all. So there he goes, Brock is for you. Uh, and now it's time for our main event, which is actually kind of a fun little brawl, I would say. Shawn Michaels mm-hmm. versus Mankind. This is Shawn Michaels' first match since June's King of the Ring pay per view against uh, Steve Austin. And Shawn Michaels comes down, and he does not have any insurance with him. Not 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 right now, at least. Nor does Undertaker come down to watch the match like he said he would. It's like, okay, that's kind of curious. Uh, but Mankind comes down to the ring. Uh, and he's a big square plastic garbage can. And Vince immediately declares that that won't be allowed to be used. Except immediately Sean grabs it and smacks <laughs> Mankind with it. <laughs> so it's like, no, it's being used immediately. Um, he puts it over Mankind's head so it looks like, I don't know, like a droid from Star Wars or something. Uh, and Sean jumps to his top rope and he jumps on to, sh- to uh, Mankind. But then when the can comes off, Mankind gets the manual claw on Sean, dropping him to his knees before Sean can hit Mankind with a low blow. And so, yeah, it's not a notice qualification match, but we're going somewhere. Uh, they end up outside the ring. Mankind charges Sean, who back body drops him onto the announce table, which does not break. And it's like, oh, boy. And then he follows up, Sean does, and the elbow from the apron onto the table. And then back in the ring, Sean hits an elbow on Mankind. He goes for sweet chin music, trying to end it quickly here. But Mankind ducks, and he gets a mandible claw on Sean. And they both roll out of the ring where Sean... Just smacks Mankind's head into the ring post three times. And I was like, dude, like, I don't know if I'm dumb or something like that, but I do not know how you were doing this and not just really genuinely hurting Mankind. Because it looks like he's just smacking his head in the back of the thing. It looks, it sucks. Sean, my, JR even says, Concussion City, and he's the mayor. Like, well, oh, they, that's rough. A lot of bumps are super stiff. Um, like the back body drop onto the table. It wasn't just onto the table, it was onto the monitor. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I forgot until watching this match just how bloody tough um, mankind was. Like, just really incredible. And and there's more to come. Yes, exactly. Because Sean back suplexes mankind to the announce table. It still doesn't break. And then right before we take a commercial, Triple H and China wander down to the ring. And the announcers don't seem to care about this, but I'm like, well, that is a significant mm-hmm. uh, moment as well, even though it's it's barely remarked upon for the rest of the show. It's like Shawn Michaels, Triple H, China. Okay. We come back, and Shawn Michaels is wrestling, and he has Mankind's mask, uh, which leaves Mankind's face uncovered. And I got to say, he looks a lot like Dude Love. Uh, and so it's just kind of a curious thing, how much they <laughs> look alike. It's a curious thing. Um, 
JR is talking about The Undertaker, about Sean's match against Undertaker, and he's like, look, Undertaker is the man until somebody beats him. And I'm like, well, he just lost the title to Bret Hart, so they got beat. I don't know if you're, I don't know where else you're going with that, man. Like, that's just what's up. Um, so Mankind starts taking the fight to Sean, and then suddenly, walking down the aisle, here comes Rick Rude, famed former Intercontinental Champion, in a suit. Chris, did this surprise you? It sounds like you were, you were ill-prepared for Rick Rude. I, I was very surprised. I did not uh, remember this at all, uh, who who Sean had an alliance with. So, um, yeah, fun surprise. It's a, It doesn't last super long. And I, as I recall, I don't even think Sean was particularly enthused with it as a thing. I think he didn't feel like he needed a Rick Rude around at all, which is too bad because it's like, I don't know, like maybe you guys can make something out of the fact that, you know, he's he's somebody who's good at talking and being a you know a handsome dude as well. Like, we... Can we can we make, get something working here? I don't know. I was hopeful for that, but yeah, so it's a curious thing. And there's a whole thing with Nitro that we will talk about in later weeks, where this may be a little bit of chicanery going on with WCW. And so Mankind hits Shawn Michaels in the throat, then he hits a double arm DDT for two. Then Triple H trips Mankind up, which allows Rick Rude to come over and just smack him on top of the head with the steel chair, and it is a rough hit. You just hear it bonk off of him. And Mankind gets to his feet. So Shawn Michaels hits him with Sweet Chin Music, and that is enough for the one, two, three. And Shawn looks around, and he looks at Rick Rude on one side of the ring, and Triple H and China on the other. Then we hear a gong, and it's time for The Undertaker to come down to the ring. But he only gets ha- partway down the ramp when Paul Bearer pops up on the Titantron to declare that Kane is coming, and the Taker will burn in hell. And the lights go red. And some flaming pyro lights at the top of the ramp. And we see images of flames as we go off the air. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> what an ending. Where it's like, Sean has this match. He's got these allies, maybe, on either side of him. That Undertaker shows up. And then something unrelated happens. We see random little fire animations. And then the show just ends. What did you think of this ending, Chris? I, I thought it was incredible. Because it's... Surprise after surprise. It's it's um, oh so Triple H in China. Oh they're they're the insurance policy. Great surprise. Um, oh wait no they're not the insurance policy. Uh, Rick Rude comes out. That's the, that's the the surprise. Um, we're we're about to we're about to see you know how that relation what that relationship is going to look like. Um, Gong the Undertaker comes out. Whoa. Uh, and then before we can see that <laughs> development, um, Paul Bearer introducing Kane. It's it's just a phenomenal sequence of of surprises that they've packed within the last few minutes of of the show. It's um, it was breathtaking. It's so much. And now, as we're talking about this, it's like in one show, Rocky Maivia joins the nation. Triple H right. may have just joined up with Shawn Michaels and mm-hmm. Kane is coming. And we've talked about Kane before, but here's another big example of Kane coming. And it's like, man, if that isn't significant for the next 25 years of wrestling, I don't know what is, especially, I mean, in the immediate, it's going to be huge for the next like two to five years in a major, major way. Mm-hmm. So it is, it is crazy. But Chris, there's also a dark match after the show. Imagine all this happening. And then, and then they have to go out and have Bret Hart retain his WF championship in a triple threat against Vader and the Undertaker. And they were Ooh. doing this match. 
they were doing this match before SummerSlam, only instead of Vader, they had Steve Austin. Steve Austin uh, has a broken neck, so they've slotted mm-hmm. Vader in there. And so I don't fully understand why they do this, because this is the fans would be mad about the Shawn Michaels Mankind match was like a lot of fun. Uh, so I don't know why they would need to do this, but probably because they I bet they probably advertise like a WF championship match. And so that probably sells tickets right. more. And they just put that at the end. And like, yeah, we got away with it there. Um, Chris, Great value. Great value for a, a Biloxi fan. Who? who right. I'm guessing it was like Brett submitting Vader. Is that what happened? You know, I don't know, but that's a safe bet. It's a safe bet that that or like a trip, like a, like a, like a, I, I actually I would probably imagine some sort of like roll up situation um, just to make Sean Brett look more like a heel or something like that. That is my guess. Mm-hmm. So, Chris, we've got a bonus match, but I'd love to get your final thoughts on this episode of Raw is War. We use a three tier rating system here, as you may recall. If the show is bad. We say it's in the dungeon. If it's kind of eh, we say it's in the Nightheart zone. Or it's good, you can say it's TBT, ITBT, WTBT, EWB. That's the best there is, the best there was, the best there will be. Chris, your thoughts on your show and your rating, please. Oh, I needed to prepare for this. Uh, ah, it was the best there was, the best there will be. Oh, I, I didn't even get it right. Can I? <laughs> can I? Can I? Can I do a do-over? We can. We can. Of course. We can edit this, can't we? We can. Edit sure. This. I actually need to. Actually need to type this out. The best there was. The best, the best there is. There is the best there ever will be. Now I get to say it confidently, and and I, right. I, you're you're if if you don't edit this out, that that's fine too, Matt. Um, Matt, I will confidently say that this episode was TBTWTBTITBTEWB. It was great. There you go. I totally get it. I like it. I was, you know, the thing I was debating was like, I like, I like the main event. I liked a lot of the, the stuff that was happening. And it's like, is that enough for me to give it that? I think I'm, I'll give it a mild, I'll give it a mild TBTA, TBT, et cetera. Just because um, I think I, I like when things are advancing. I like when things are historic and I think the main event was fun. And I also just like when the ending of a show is like, is gong show nuts. We're just kind of like, wait, what's happening here? <laughs> it's like tune in next week, man, this fire. It's like, okay, sure. So, uh, yeah, especially, I mean, the main events, I think people, especially back then, they were kind of like, what are some good, like, late 90s raw main events? And that's considered one of them. So, um, absolutely. Yeah. No, they, they, they worked really, really hard, I thought, for a, like, a televised main event during a time when, when often those main events weren't that great. The low light of the show, of course, was the, the Legion of Doom, um, uh, country whipping match. Godwin match but even that they were they were trying they were trying to do something special and local and and of course there was the light heavyweight match but that wasn't really what that was about it was about brian pillman struggling in a dress um so you know overall even even the the weak matches had something redeeming about it so uh, i thought it was just a, a spectacular two hours of entertainment well, it is, nonsense. and uh, we're gonna have. Um, uh, let's talk about let's talk about this bonus match though too, Chris, because the fun the okay. fun continues okay. for us. We're talking about Bret Hart versus Mister Perfect from SummerSlam 1991, and uh, I was looking for some context for this. Like, what's like, what what can I tell the people? And I want you to allow me to quote from a WWE web page about the history of the Intercontinental Championship. This is directly this is this is copyright off their page. <laughs> After the Hart Foundation lost the World Tag Team Championship to the Nasty Boys at WrestleMania 7, the excellence of execution went out on his own and joined the singles ranks. 
wasn't long before he earned his first shot at the Intercontinental Championship. He squared off against Mr. Perfect, one of the most technically sound matchups one will ever see. And I was thinking about, like, why, why did I pick this? And I'm like, well, you know, it's it's one of the most technically sound matchups one will ever see. So how could I not pick it? That's what I was thinking about. it. Actually, what, what happened is I had a different match slotted in from the bonus match for this show. And then I was watching with my brother Will, past guest on the podcast. I was watching a uh, one of those WWE compilations they do, and it was kind of like, like best, re- best SummerSlam matches. And those are just – that's a playlist you can just enjoy, man. You can just put that on while you're making something or you just need something to throw on. Because you're just like, I, I put this one on, and I was like, right, this match rules. Mm. So let's talk mm-hmm. about it. Let's go into it here. So we're at SummerSlam 1981. Brett comes out first. He's got a pretty, a pretty eye-popping pink leather jacket. Or is, or is it leather or, like, vinyl? I couldn't – I'm not, not up enough on leather to have any sense of whether or not you can make true pink vinyl or true pink leather. So I don't know. What, you, what do you think, Chris? Do you have any, any theories on the material that jacket was made out of? I'm, I'm going to guess it was not leather. But I think that right. you can make pink leather. I think that you can make pink leather any color. Yeah, there we go. Well, I believe I believe you should be able to make pink leather any color, even if you're not technically possible. Maybe it is, for all we know. Um, um, Mr. Perfect comes out with Coach. Coach is a short-lived manager who took over as Mr. Perfect's manager when Bobby Heaney moved on to full-time commentating. I just don't see Mr. Perfect as a guy who needs a, 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 a manager. Uh, he just he talks super well. And I just it doesn't seem like it's strictly speaking necessary as far as I'm concerned. Coach doesn't really add anything. It's no. I, I, lo- I love I love a good manager. Um, even when even when you don't necessarily need one. Like it's not like Shawn Michaels needed Sherry, but Sherry right. um, was was a star with him. Um, but in this case, um, what could the coach? So I was I was I was struggling to, to you know think about what what his his purpose is other than maybe um interfere every once in a while to um to you know help mr perfect come off as, as a heel i suppose but but he didn't do anything notable in this match that's for sure yeah he like he factors in for the ending but like that's kind of it right like it doesn't really it, like it, 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 he just kind of there to whistle all the time like that's ah, fine pretty um, much, yeah so brett and mr perfect they look pretty even uh they're doing these kind of these lockups and then brett gets this hip toss that sends perfect bouncing out of the ring and brett looks really capable in the early going he's getting the edge time and time again on mr perfect he's kind of the guy where it seems like mr perfect may have just fully underestimated him and um perfect slams brett out of the corner and so he drops him on the ground he's still bent over him and uh, then Brett kicks Mr. Perfect like a, like a monkey flip to kind of stop him. This move you almost never see. And um, Brett does the same thing where he drops Perfect with it. And then Perfect does the same thing to him, kicking him right back. You never see this in wrestling. It's kind of this fun exchange of like, I drop me. Well, I'll kick you. I'll drop you. Okay, then I'm going to kick you right back. It's like, okay, here we go. Back to back. Kind of showing some of the evenness of it. And, you know, with Brett dominating the early going, Perfect just says, screw it. And he heads for the back. And Brett follows him out. And he kind of rips him. He try, goes to spin him around. As he goes to turn him and spin him around, he just rips Mr. Perfect's singlet. And so half one of his shoulder straps is just down and just totally gone for like the rest of the match. And so Perfect looks like not only is he uh, maybe not you know having a great chance against Brett here, he's also like he's he's getting ripped apart here. Mm-hmm. That's a very funny visual. And uh, we have this moment here where, the, where, where Brett and Perfect, I think, I think Brett's got Perfect in the corner, and the referee gets between them. And 
as he's doing that perfect smacks Brett with a punch the referee can't see. And the ref's like, what did you do? He's like, oh, I just pushed him over. I pushed him over. And it shows you like how long ago this was. This is 1991. They're treating a punch in the face like it's a low blow or something. Like they're like the the oh right the, right right. Like it's such a funny thing to think of it. Like oh, you're just smacking him like that. It's like crazy. Uh, and then we have a moment where Brett's on the apron. Mr. Perfect knocks him off, and Brett lands on the uh, the fence on the fence, but the barricade outside. But he mostly just lands on a guy, lands <laughs> on a photographer. Uh, who I don't think knew the Red Heart was going to be landing on him. Although he probably should have been clear of there. I don't think I think you got to be pretty sure. Like, mm-hmm. if a wrestler could go in your direction, I would say be able to move. You need to be you need to be more ready than if um, you can just be immobilized like a chair or something. It doesn't work. So back in the ring, Perfect takes advantage. He gets a flipping neck break on Brett while he's sitting down, and then he just smashes Brett's head into the turnbuckle. And there's these moments, these matches that I see, and I'm like, man, these are not like. When I describe them, they don't always sound that eventful, but it's like, no. Like, what I need to be clear is, like, Perfect takes Brett's head, and he hits him in the turnbuckle so hard. And I just – I don't know if I've seen someone look like they got hit in the turnbuckle harder than that before. I don't know if it's a combination of – if that's just Brett being like, I will go into this turnbuckle as far as you want, Mr. Perfect, because I appreciate you, and it is SummerSlam, and you were giving me a chance at the title, and I appreciate this. Mm-hmm. Such a funny thing. So both men climb onto the turnbuckle on either side of it, like from the outside, but they fall off. And Perfect covers Brett for two, but when Brett kicks out, Perfect starts pushing the ref around. He's quite mad about it. It's like, okay, he's good enough to ref. Then Perfect, he hits a Perfect Plex on Brett, and Brett manages to kick out a two. People are losing their mind. He says no one's ever kicked out of the Perfect Plex. I don't know if that's the case. I mean, I have to imagine that Hulk Hogan did it all the time whenever they would have matches. But I I don't know of anybody (sighs) who did it. So maybe it's the case for all I know. It was pretty – I I remember it being – protected move for sure it really was i know i recently see there's a, a video that goes around online sometimes and i think it was like there's one person who ever kicked out of a, a razor's edge in wwf and i think it was crush and i don't remember what the context of, of, of it was but razor ramon hits crush with a razor's edge and he takes like forever to cover him he's like whatever i got this i'm the man he turns around and he covers crush one, two, he barely kicks out. And everyone's like, whoa, no one has ever done that before. Now, Razor Ramon was smart because he, like, waited a while before he kicked out of it, uh, before he even covered him. But uh, that's a, that's one that's one move that I'm like, oh, that is pretty well protected. Almost nothing is like that now, which is, I don't know. Your mileage may vary. I think these you protect moves until someone kicks out of it and it makes it a moment. Does it still make it a moment? I don't know if it still matters the same way now. It's different. Um, so, Brett kicking out allows Brett to start getting a little bit of comeback here. Brett starts hitting punches on Perfect from his knees, hits him with a couple of atomic drops. He throws him into the corner, and Perfect uh, slides and lands, groin first into the post. Oh, it looks very very tender landing, very painful. And then Brett hits a jump and snap suplex for two, and Gorilla Monsoon declares Suplex City coming up. Mm. Uh, which is very funny to hear. <laughs> We've got the beast mm-hmm. incarnate. Bret Hart is here. <laughs> Taking people up. Uh and so Brent follows up with a small package and a Russian Lexi for two. He hits his backbreaker in a second rope elbow drop for another two count. And uh, and Brett starts to work the leg by just kicking Perfect in the leg, in the knee. And he just flips Perfect all the way over like twice. Like Perfect is just like flipping and flopping around. It looks great. And then Brett goes for the sharpshooter. But Coach hops on the apron. So this is Coach, you know, getting his money's worth, I guess. You're getting, getting what, what, this is why he's paid. And Brett kind of pops up and dispatches him there. But Brett is like halfway between the ropes. Like he's got one leg on the outside, one leg on the inside. And so he's because he's halfway between the ropes, Mr. Perfect kicks the middle rope right into Brett's groin, which is a great detail. And you never see stuff like that anymore, I feel like, where it's like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. he's he's like, it's is it cheating? 
maybe not technically, but it definitely is dirty. Uh, and it's a great way to get back at him. And so Perfect's like, okay, great. And so he grabs Brett's legs and he drops a leg on him. He splits his legs, he drops a leg, and he does it again. But then Brett blocks it. And so Perfect's like, oh, Perfect's on his back. And so both men laying flat on their back. Brett grabs Perfect's legs and he flips them over in a sharpshooter position. And all Brett has to do is roll over. And he just barely has a chance to actually get elevated into a sharpshooter. And even before he really gets that, Mr. Perfect is tapping out. And Bret Hart is the new Intercontinental Champion. And we have a moment where Brett tears the rest of Perfect's singlets off for good measure. Perfect's just in his black brief t- trunks. It's a very funny kind of humiliating moment. And then afterwards, we have Lord Alfred Hayes, this goofball. He's in the crowd. He's trying to interview Stu Hart, who's there with Helen, his wife. And uh, they're there with Brett's family members. But... As he's doing that, Brett comes over, talks to Stu, talks to Helen. I think is one of his other brothers there. And uh, they're all excited that Brett has finally won a title, a singles title in the World Wrestling Federation. Uh, and so that's it. Chris, what do you, you think of this match? Is, is it worthwhile? Is it a TBT, ITBT, whatever? Uh, well, well, absolutely. I, I mean, for one, a couple things to note. I didn't actually see Mr. Perfect tap out. I, I thought that, like, the ref pretty much, you know, immediately calls the match as soon as the sharpshooter was in. Uh, perhaps you really got to believe the referees. You have to believe the referees yeah, this time. Yeah, I mean, I mean maybe, maybe, back, maybe back in 1991, they, they, they didn't have as clear of taps as they do now. So perhaps yeah. that's just, just a way that uh, wrestling has, has evolved and that now you, you really see the submission all the time. Um, yeah. Also, I thought it was very funny that Lord Alfred Hayes um, asks for a, a comment from Stu Hart, you know, about how proud he is of his son or, or what have you. Stu, Stu starts starts his answer, and then and then Lord Alfred Hayes says, um, "Oh well, Stu Hart is speechless as as he's trying to talk," uh, which I thought was really funny. <laughs> Uh, clearly, they did not want uh, Stu to actually say anything at all. <laughs> uh, uh, that aside, um, I thought it was was a sensational match. It was uh, something that, I've, you know, I'd, I'd only probably seen it like maybe once, maybe twice when I was 11 years old. And right. yet I remembered the outcome. I remembered the match. I remembered the the like Mr. Perfect looking really haggard and having his his uh, his tights like like you know um, ripped re- off removed, removed in a humiliating way like yeah. so much of of this whole spectacle was just truly uh, memorable um, and I mean I guess of course it was Bret Hart's first singles title so so you'd remember that you'd remember that too um, but uh, yeah it's certainly like you know, probably, um, I don't know, probably one of like top, top 10, top 20 most important Bret Hart matches, I'd say. Yeah, for sure. I mean, even, even if you take away, if it's just the, um, if obviously just like, oh, he won the Intercontinental Championship for the first time. Okay, significant. But I mean, the, the match itself is in itself uh, just, just worth it, even if there was no title involved, right? Um, so it just makes such a big difference. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, this one's, it's great. It's back and forth. Uh, it's not just a, a, a plain kind of like comeback match. It's like Brett is kicking. He's been beating him first. He looks like he's definitely the champion. He definitely is like the better. 
Uh, mm-hmm. It's two guys. You know, I, I don't know when their primes are or anything like that. But these guys are near their primes wrestling here, mm-hmm. and uh, it's yeah. top tier stuff. Yeah. Top tier stuff. So check yeah. it out, guys. Check it out. So that's going to do it for us this week. The next show we're going to be covering is going to be the August 18th, 1997 edition of Raw is War. And we have some bonus matches, more than one. We have Bret Hart versus Vader and Owen Hart versus the Patriot from two Friday night main events episode. They're going to replace Raw for the next two weeks. It's a totally this weird thing. It's not on the WWE Network. It's on YouTube. You have to search them out to know what we're talking about. So you can check those out there. Uh, and that's one of the funny things is that we have Raw to cover next week. There's two weeks of programming you don't have, and then there's the pay-per-view. So, uh, weirdly, uh, it is uh, yeah, it's a bit, a bit strange going on here. So, that is what's coming up next week. Uh, folks, you can follow Smack Attic Pod on Instagram and Twitter. You can share the show with a friend, or you can review us on Apple Podcasts and tell Tim Cook how much you guys like me, which is always fun. Uh, Chris, thank you for being here, man. Much appreciated. Appreciate you coming out and uh, for putting on a wrestling t-shirt to wear for. You get your Kevin Owens shirt on the whole time we're talking here. Oh. Oh, I do. Yeah, yeah. Even for a podcast, I feel like I need to dress for the part. You got to do it. I appreciate that for sure, man. Thank you so much for joining me, Chris. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for coming out. And uh, we'll talk in soon, right? Yeah, a lot of fun. Absolutely. Sweet. Fans, folks, listeners, thank you. We will talk again soon. Have a great week. And I hope that no matter what happens, if there's anything in your life that you need help with, I hope you have that insurance. I hope that Rick Rude will come out, even though he is deceased. I hope he will come out and have your back. We'll talk to you again next week. Bye.